Hello and welcome to another episode of the Speak the Truth podcast. I am your host, Matt Tardio. Today's episode is sponsored by ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN, thank you for your support and for supporting us on today's episode. Now, moving on into Ukraine, what is going down in Ukraine? Well, actually quite a bit. Uh, Zelensky's been in the news, Putin's been in the news. Um, the uh, Zaporizhia nuclear power plant has been in the news um, quite a bit actually. So we're going to touch base on all of those things. Before we get into that, I want to make sure to let you guys know to stay tuned for Friday. On Friday, we're going to have Ryan Hendrickson from Tip of the Spear on the show. He's going to be calling in. If you guys don't know who Ryan is, you should probably go look him up. He's actually a really good dude. Um, he is a retired Green Beret, retired Green Beret, right? Uh, he had um, lost his leg during Afghanistan and went back um, into service for a little bit before eventually retiring. Last year, he started to the spear landmine removal and has been an over in Ukraine removing mines. Um, he's a pretty good dude. I met him a couple of years ago out at uh, SHOT Show and have just been in contact with him ever since. Um, so he's a, a really solid dude. Uh, recently on his team um, um, over um, in Ukraine, um, one of his uh, mates lost uh, his leg stepping on it. I want to say he stepped on an AP mine. So... Um, they need your support, um, and I look forward to him telling you guys about everything that's uh, going on up there from his perspective. They are not taking part in military operations. They're there for uh, humanitarian reasons only. So uh, Active 401, they're just awesome. He's just an awesome dude. So Ryan, can't wait to have you on the show, man, coming up. So um, going on in the news over in Ukraine right now, the nuclear power plant. So the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Agency, um, out of the... ZNPP released their last statement on July 7th, so nothing new as of today. But on July 7th, they did state that uh, the Russians had given them more access into the compound um, or into the ZNPP, um, except for the places that they want to check, reactors three and four, where Ukraine's accusing them of having possible explosives planted on the rooftop um, to stage um, some sort of a dirty attack. Now, obviously, if Russia did do that, um, and stage, you know, and they, they do that attack, that's going to be a worldwide effect, and that's going to be drawing NATO forces in, I think, um, before they would know it. So I highly doubt they would do it. Plus, they said on July 5th, that was the date for that drawdown or for the Russians to, to leave. That was the supposed date where all the bad stuff was going to go down. We haven't seen anything out of the plant yet. Um, nothing. As a matter of fact, we did get an unconfirmed report out of the plant from one of the workers and one of the workers at the plant stated that if anything, it looks like Russia's digging in. Like it doesn't look like they're leaving. It looks like they're digging in and that they're trying to stay. I don't, I don't think Russia is going to blow the plant. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, but I don't think they're going to do it. Are they doing something nefarious? Are they doing stuff that they're not supposed to be doing and they're hiding it from the IAEA? Yeah, possibly. Um, I don't think they're personally going to blow the plant, but um, you know, who knows? So Ukraine's accusing Russia of doing that at the same time Russia is accusing uh, Ukraine of um, actually um, sabotaging the plan as well. So, um, But it looks like Russia is sticking in it for the long haul, and the IEA hasn't found anything of significance. They went over, they checked out the uh, water reserve. Looks like the water reserve is functioning just fine, so no issues out of the water reserve um, going on over there. They should have a couple more months of energy. Last week, of course, the plant, um, one of the electrical lines ended up getting taken out. Um, and it fell down on the backup line that doesn't have near the amount of power that they're going to want to keep that place um, nice and tidy. Over in Lviv last week, uh, Russia sent 10 cruise missiles. Seven of the 10 got intercepted by Ukrainian uh, forces. 
Um, but three of the cruise missiles ended up crashing into an apartment complex and taking out the top two floors of the apartment complex over in Lviv. That's just, oh God, that's sad. Um, four Ukrainians were killed and another eight plus were wounded um, in the attack um, on Lviv. Ten cruise missiles they fired at it. Now, Ukraine has a bunch of displaced IDPs, internally displaced persons that are over in Lviv. It's probably one of the more densely populated areas with IDPs inside of Ukraine. And one of the first stops that people are going to when they're coming back into the country, if, if they fled from the West, uh, chances are they're coming back. So Lviv is very densely populated with IDPs right now. And the fact that Russia is shooting that amount of cruise missiles in the middle of the city is pretty freaking disgusting, to be perfectly honest, but it's not surprising. Um trying to remain unbiased on that now another report um coming out of the kiev post um on july 5th is stating that um russia was using chemical weapons against ukrainian soldiers um outside of bakhmut um bakhmut has had a lot of fighting going on it um within the recent days um, especially up into the north um, of the city ukraine's made quite a few gains up there and has been has been decent making some decent pushes up into the north um, they've also been doing it down to the south. So if Russia was going to use chemical weapons, it may very well be against that country. So what ended up happening was that Ukrainian soldiers ended up complaining about um, um, signs and symptoms for exposures to chemical weapons. Uh, things like mucus irritation, asphyxiation, nausea, vomiting, um, all of those things that you know take place when you get chemical weapons. Now, the weapon that Russia is accused of using is known as Lewisite. It's a chemical that was developed only for the sole purpose of war back in uh, with the World War towards the end of World War One. Um, I'm not sure if it actually got used or not. I'm getting kind of conflicting things on that, but it was uh, developed back for World War One, and that's the only use that it has is for chemical warfare. It's also heavier than air, so it sits down in bottoms and it sits in low spaces. Um, and this is now the at least second time that I'm aware of of Russia being accused of using chemical weapons. The other time they were accused was in Mariupol um, at the steel mill um, where everybody kind of held up during that last siege. So Russia, do better for the love of God. Please do better. Um, if any of you are listening, do freaking better. Stop using chemical weapons. While we're on the talk of weapons, well, I guess it's only fair to mention that Russia has also accused Ukraine of using chemical weapons. Um, as early as February of this year, TASS, a Russian news agency, cited Yan Gagin, an advisor to the DPR. Yan stated that his commanders had reported that Ukraine had used chemical weapons along several front lines, mostly the Soldar and Artyomosk ones. Some fighters are expect, experiencing severe dizzy, nausea, and vomiting. So Ukraine's been accused of using chemical weapons before in the past. And then the question comes, well, did Ukraine have a stockpile or did they steal artillery or something from Russia and then use Russian artillery against themselves and not know what the markings on those weapons were? That I see as a much more reasonable um, way that these weapons maybe got employed. If Ukraine actually did in fact use them, they probably did so um, not knowing what they were shooting. Reason I say that is because the markings for chemical agents on um, these different shells they vary by year depending on what year they came out in. So lewisite being a very old chemical, um, there's several different charges. Lewisite could have had markings from any one of these charges um, over the years, and if Russia, Russia, um, yeah, um, has old munitions on the battlefield, what are the odds that people are out there checking these munitions with charges? They could just be sending it. So. 
I see that as a very reasonable, well, I wouldn't call it reasonable. I would like people to know what the hell they're shooting before they shoot it, especially with chemical weapons floating around. But I like to think of that as a more reasonable way that those chemical weapons actually got on the battlefield. I just, I don't see another way for that to have happened if Ukraine's the one shooting them. I just don't see them employing them um, without a purpose. But who knows, man? Um, seriously. So Bakhmut, like I said, there's some heavy um, fighting that's been taking place around Bakhmut the last couple of days, um, particularly in the north and the south of the city. What it appears to be is that Ukraine looks like it's trying to capture some key terrain around the city, and possibly we might see Ukrainian forces um, attempt to basically close off and besiege the city itself. Um, if they go over and they capture the highway that's off to the east, um, they have a very good chance of doing that. What kind of weirds me out about um, Bakhmut being a main target right now has to do with some of the stuff that Zelensky said. Now, I know we we talked last week and we said if they're going to be launching in a major assault or a major attack, this major offensive maneuver, that they're going to have to they're going to have to slowly deplete Russia's forces, basically like weaken each place to concentrate your force and weaken them out. And then once they're kind of depleted and cut off, then you can go and take them right because they're going against dug in fighters. It's so bad that uh, I saw an interview with one of the uh, Ukrainian officers and he was stating that during this offensive, you know, everybody needs to kind of remain patient because what's happening is they're going in to these fights with one to one odds sometimes. So the Ukrainian commander is saying that, look, we, we don't even have doctrinally the right amount of people to be launching stage attacks on a lot of these positions. Right. Doctrinally, you'd want three to one odds. You'd want to bring three of your buddies for every one of theirs to kind of guarantee a victory. Right. And that accounts for like people being wounded and killed. You got to have you got to have at least three to one odds to guarantee victory, hopefully. Right. But these commanders are doing it with one to one odds, sometimes less. And so they have to be a lot more methodical and strategic about their way, you know, they're, they're going to it. So the thing that kind of I guess bothers me about what's going on in Bakhmut. It could be a part of the plan um, was Zelensky was getting interviewed by ABC news um, a couple days ago. And Zelensky had basically said that his goal for the offensive, his stated goal is, is basically to go up and cut off um, the Crimean peninsula. So what we're expecting essentially at that point would be troops coming out of the kind of Kyrgyzstan region. That's the shortest distance between, you know, like the main Ukrainian forces down there um, to go over and cut off, um, the Crimean Peninsula. And then he believes that if he does that, right, Zelensky believes that if he does that, it's going to bring Putin to the table, and then Putin is going to be able to negotiate with Zelensky about bringing an end to this war. Is that feasible? Is that actually going to happen? Zelensky believes that it will. Right? I don't think it will. I think Putin, um, I stated it last year, Putin's going to be looking for some way to save face you know, in this war. And I kind of compared it to North Korea saying that, look, just like, you know, you had the separation of North and South Korea with the DMZ, we might be looking at something very similar in Ukraine, right? So if Zelensky thinks that he is going to go to Putin and say, Putin, just take all your guys and get the hell out of Ukraine. Look, I've got, you know, Crimea captured. Maybe I'll eat these words. And I, I pray to God that I do. And I pray to God that I'm wrong because I don't want the ensuing fight that I know is going to take place. Zelensky has already stated that he's not going to live with Russian troops occupying any more of Ukraine's territory. At the same time, you have Putin that is going quite the opposite, and he's doubling down. Um, just last week, um, they had the the vote, you know, for the four major territories to be absorbed into Russia. And it's just he's doubling down. He's not he's not backing off. As a matter of fact, tomorrow, 
um, just shortly after this video is going to be launched um, here uh, Monday night in the States. But tomorrow going down in Lithuania is the um, the NATO summit to discuss, you know, further actions with Ukraine, whether or not to bring them in and being absorbed by NATO. It was like a little over a week ago, Zelensky was saying that he just wanted reassurance that NATO was going to be their form and NATO was going to back him up. Right. So that's what Zelensky was doing a little over a week ago. Now Zelensky is saying that he's looking for um, not that he hasn't in the past, but he's kind of like changing his his words a little bit and saying like, no, he wants to be accepted in NATO and he wants it to happen soon. He wants it to go down. So. Zelensky stated his goals about how he's going to go about, um, you know, this new offensive and hopefully bring Putin to the negotiation table. And Putin is answering back. So we saw attack nukes being moved into Belarus um, and they are now confirmed on the ground inside Belarus um, and they'll be getting set up, which might not seem like much because, you know, Putin obviously has nuclear capabilities within the Russian territory to be able to attack Ukraine if he would like. But I think what he's doing by moving those tack nukes into Belarus and, and continuing to stage there is essentially sending a message to NATO saying that he's not going to back down. Well, you know, Putin doesn't want to back down. So he's going to move all of those weapons um, over, over to Belarus as kind of like a show of force, more or less, especially, you know, looking at what's going on with Lithuania. Now, if Ukraine does get accepted and gets brought into NATO, which would, it, it would essentially send the world into world war three. So I don't think we're going to do that right away. I just, I just, I can't, I can't really see that happening. I just, I can't. So while we're talking about weapons, um, let's talk about some of the ones that the U S just said that we're going to be providing to, um, Ukraine. So the president Biden just approved the use of cluster munitions, um, for Ukraine or that we're going to be providing, uh, cluster munitions to Ukraine. And he got pressed on it pretty hard by the media. Um, and he actually came back with a decent response. All right. So early off in the war, you know, Russia was being questioned for their use of cluster munitions um, over in Eastern Ukraine. Some of the uh, bomblets ended up hitting um, some schools, multiple buildings, killed some civilians, right? And the U.S. had spoken out saying it was really irresponsible for them to be using cluster munitions inside of those areas. Um, and the way that they employed it, they were intentionally targeting uh, civilian structures with it that should be protected. Um, so the U.S. was very outspoken against Ukraine, or I'm sorry, against Russia using cluster munitions. And now the U.S. is providing cluster munitions to Ukraine to use against Russia. Biden, in his defense, what he was saying was that, look, our cluster munitions that we're providing to Ukraine are not like extremely old. Okay, They have a one and a half to two and a half percent failure rate when it comes to the cluster munitions. Now, the issue comes with some of the the submunitions that get let out by some of the old school Soviet area bombs. Dude, those those submunitions were basically some of them had between a 30 to a 50 percent failure rate, sometimes a little bit higher um, when it came. So when they drop these things, you have a bunch of unexploded ordnance just laying all around the ground. So as you guys do know, the economy here in America has been in the toilets over the last few months to almost a year. And everybody's trying to cut back on expenses like going out and so on and so forth. Maybe you're trying to cut back maybe even on uh, streaming services. If you guys switch over to ExpressVPN, you guys can cut back 
up to $100 a month if you guys have Netflix, Disney Plus, and Prime. I'm going to explain to you guys. See, all these streaming services like Netflix actually have thousands of more shows than you guys actually think. You guys just don't see them all because they give you different shows depending on the country. Here in America, it's going to be different than, say, Italy and or South Korea, so on and so forth. You're going to see different stuff. But by using ExpressVPN, I can actually change my online location because ExpressVPN has 90 different countries to choose from. So every time... I run out to say I need to I run out stuff to watch. I could just switch to another country and boom, new shows. It's as easy as just refreshing your location. One button, change it to a different country. Bam, new page, new shows come up. It's really easy. You don't need to pay extra for Apple TV and or Prime. You just, you just got to watch. It's really easy. It's really great. And on top of that, I can even use Express for even to get discounts. So some services cost less than other countries. For example, if you guys buy Netflix from Argentina, it costs a fraction of the price. Yes. That's crazy. For less than $7 a month, you guys can get ExpressVPN, which is going to pay for itself, plus much more. It's a no-brainer, so if you guys want to get away with more shows and save money while you're at it, go to expressvpn.com forward slash Rob. Don't forget to use my link so you guys can get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com, expressvpn.com forward slash Rob, expressvpn.com forward slash Rob to learn more. It'll be linked at the very top of the description. Thank you so much to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this episode. That UXO is one of those big deals, which is, um, you know, they let's let's put it this way: like uh, fuses on mortar rounds and things like that, they go bad, right? Like, and I've I've used a lot of mortars, I've used a lot of uh, Carl Gustav rounds, RPGs, tow missiles, uh, you name it, HIMARS, uh, two point seven five rockets off aircraft, bombs being dropped, and I've seen a lot of stuff that just doesn't go off the way it's supposed to and everything ends up getting scattered. And when you have these types of munitions being used and they have an even lower uh, or excuse me, an even higher failure rate, that's the worry is the amount of stuff that's going to be scattered on the battlefield. Not to mention it's a much broader of an area weapon, all right, than a traditional artillery piece or a traditional bomb, right? It's designed to cover more area. So you've got to be more careful with it. Um, there are several countries um, in the world that do not, um, use cluster munitions and have signed off on saying we're not going to use them. Uh, the U S isn't one, neither is Russia. And, uh, geez, we even, we even still use mines and there's a lot of countries that, uh, um, are signed off against using mines as well. Um, so anyways, uh, yeah, Biden's remarks, look, they've got a pretty low failure rate that we're providing over Ukraine. So we don't really have to worry about it. Um, and that's where he's going with it. Now, Russia in the past, when it comes to their use of clutch munitions, there's one that particularly is just bad. It was called a dragon's tooth. This thing looked more or less like a, a freaking toy, and that's pretty much what it was designed for, right? They, they dropped these things. They wouldn't explode. They wouldn't detonate on impact, and they used these during the like Soviet war in Afghanistan, right? So they drop them. They wouldn't impact most of the time on, on, on the ground, and they were designed for kids to come over. They'd pick them up, and they'd, they'd push on them, and they'd click, and it kind of sounded like and looked like a little kid's toy. And then the kids would run back home and continue to push it. And eventually it would blow um, their hand off. And so the Russians were like, look, we're going to take out, you know, future terrorists, if you will, um, and get rid of the fighters that way. Um, so Russia has actually um, got a very interesting past when it comes to use of cluster munitions. My personal take, I'm not so against them being used um, as long as the right people are using them and they're using the munitions correctly. I don't think it's going to cause any sort of an international incident just for Ukraine to use cluster munitions. Could be wrong, but I don't really see it happening. So um, if anything, do I trust uh, Russia using them? Probably not. Probably not.
right? So, uh, but I don't really trust Russia as far as I can throw them anyways. All right, and out of Afghanistan, we have some new news coming to light with the Taliban. Taliban actually sat down with Arab News uh, for an interview. One of their, um, what, what do you want to call it, high-up commanders in the Taliban sat down with them. I don't really care for his name or position, but um, he did speak for them saying that he's got a lot of issues with the international community. Imagine that. Um, so Taliban is now complaining about human rights issues going on inside that country. They said, um, again, they're throwing the fact that they eradicated right, opium production in their country, dropped it by over 80 percent um, just by ordering it, um, that now those farmers are facing a humanitarian crisis because they don't have any profitable crops to grow anymore. Most farmers only have three to five acres. And what are they going to grow now? Um, hey, international community, this is your problem. Come in and solve it. They blame the sanctions that are going on inside of um, Afghanistan or outside by um, a lot of countries that have sanctioned Afghanistan, saying it's hard for them to get things now. So their people are not only poor because they eradicated opium, but now, hey, they're also um, starving and they have no way of making money because we eradicated opium, which, in my opinion, the Taliban continued to produce opium in order to fund their war effort. It's what they did, right? Anywhere you go with the Taliban would have opium, so... It's kind of their fault. I'm not going to lie. This humanitarian crisis is 100% on them. Um, yeah, and I say that even though I know we invaded Afghanistan, but the Taliban wasn't exactly sitting in their caves um, all innocent-like waiting for us to show up. You know what I mean? Like being like, well, well where did the bomb come from? Like they knew what they took part in when it came to al-Qaeda. They knew exactly what they were doing. And frankly, they're still meddling with al-Qaeda. Um a uh, senior um, al-Qaeda rep was actually traveling in Kabul last um, this last um, July and ended up getting uh, blowed up. So al-Qaeda is still meddling around over there. ISIS is on their eyes. Um, anyways, so in addition to the sanctions and stuff like that that this guy wanted lifted off, he was also complaining about uh, um, Pakistan, and he was also complaining about Iran. Uh, now, he did state that as far as Iran goes, they had an issue over the water from an old decree from back in the 70s. Um, and, but since that, you know, since they've duked it out, they sat down and they talked about it. So they're on good terms with Iran right now. Pakistan, on the other hand, is still kind of upset with them because of the, uh, Pakistani Taliban. They feel like the Afghan Taliban and the Pakistani Taliban are still like supporting each other. Duh. All right. And so they're kind of pissed off at, uh, the Afghan Taliban. So there's your, uh, update on the Afghan news. Oh, and, and by the way, they're still treating women like crap. So. They're not allowed to go to colleges and they're, you know, they're just, they're not allowed to go to gyms anymore. They're not allowed to go to colleges. Um, they're taking away a bunch of their education. Uh, public floggings are on the rise. So it's just a real wonder. I really feel bad for anybody living inside Afghanistan today. So I have a video for you guys of a Ukrainian soldier or what is um, reported to be a Ukrainian soldier that got captured um, by the Russians and um, put out a propaganda video with um, the Russians. And I want to point out, I think it's important to point these things out. I want to point out a couple things um, that are inside this video that I think show that Russia is torturing uh, Ukrainians. Now, this Ukrainian is going to state that he's been treated really, really nice um, and going to encourage his, his brothers and sisters in the Ukrainian military that if they're attacked by Russians, just to hoist a white flag. Um, and he's been treated really fair and he's being fed and all this other crap. But you look at his body language and you tell me what you think. I think it's very apparent that this gentleman had been beat. 
Um, and truthfully, um, there's probably a lot of you, even before we watch this video, that are going to say, that are, that are going to basically kind of condemn this guy and, and say that he's a piece of crap and he's a traitor for saying all this stuff. There is no telling what was going on off the screen um, that you can't see with this Ukrainian, right? Like they could very well have a gun to his best friend's head telling him if he doesn't make these statements that they're going to be um, killing his friend. They could have um, females that they are threatening to in front of him. There's a million things they could be doing off camera to coerce this guy into saying these things. Okay. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and play this video and we're going to talk about some of the things in the video that it's just so obvious to me that, that this man has just been, had the crap kicked out of him. So I'm going to go ahead and open it up. There it is. Jessica Vladimir Sergeyevich, 21.06.1978. So he's a private in a rifle battalion in his 40s. Леша Капитан. This part's actually kind of interesting. So he basically just said that he was on his way to work one day and the police and military picked him up and took him to the recruiting station. That's how he got recruited. And he didn't get trained at all. They, he's saying they gave me a uniform, sent him straight to the unit. So now he's saying that all he's got is 1970s and 80s era equipment that they're not trained and they got attacked and he was just basically forced to surrender or he chose to surrender to live. Look at his body and look how he's kind of like just kind of slumped over. Look at his eyeballs. Look at how he's sitting. He's kind of hunched forward a little bit, trying to sit up straight. He's got his collar coming up all the way, which is kind of odd. No, our commanders are so far away. They never got in a position. They never got out of their foxholes. They're just a bunch of wusses. Again, if you look at his eyeballs and what he's looking at too, it's very possible he's reading a lot of this crap off of a prompter or off of a piece of paper that's hung on the wall for him. Tell his commanders they're bad people. He, he wants peace, and how is he going to get it? By asking his people to surrender. Now, that's pretty crazy if that's a real statistic. About 150 people left in the battalion. Typical companies got between 100 to 140 people. Multiple companies in a battalion. It's wild. 
врачебные комиссии, чтобы списаться. Воевать никто не хочет, а тем более идти в атаку. Бог в атаку и ты нищим. Нет ничего. Что вы хотели передать граждан Украины, которые принадлежат делегации? Не идите воевать. Это очень плохо. Делайте все возможное, чтобы не идти воевать. Если будет атака, сдавайтесь сразу или выходите с позиции. Не надо стрелять. Если будете стрелять, это будет плачевно. Если поднимете белый флаг, наоборот, будет лучше. И никто вас не... Российские войска вас не тронут. Когда вы поднимете белый флаг, без выстрела. So that's it for that video. Now, there is reports... Uh, well, excuse me, there's not reports. I've read in some of the comments. I, my Russian is not nearly good enough, and I didn't spend nearly enough of that time in the country to decipher what area an accent comes from. But there was people in the comments of that video saying that that soldier that was being shown had um, a Donetsk accent, and so they're assuming or saying that it's possible that he was a, a Russian sympathizer. They just threw a uniform on and did it that way. I don't think that's the case. I think when you look at that man's body language and just how he's sitting and feeling, it's very clear he's been, you know, beat in one way or another. Uh, he could have been starved, just lots of other things. Just take it kind of easy on that guy and uh, under, try to understand it's not it's not a good spot that he was in, right? But, yeah, uh, Russia, I think, very, very clearly kind of um, tortured that guy. And... That's kind of going to be their MO um, going forward, regardless of what's happening, you know, with Zelensky's new plans of going in and taking, um, taking more terrain and attention, attempting to cut off Crimea. What, what is he actually going to do um, doing that? And I think Zelensky, if he wants to take the Crimean peninsula and he wants to bring Putin to the table, um, eventually he'll get there. It'll be a long, hard fought battle to get him across from Kyrgyzstan and go, go over there and kind of cut that area off. But after he does it, I don't, I don't think Putin's going to come to the drawing board. Um, I don't think he's going to come to the, the table with any good offers that Zelensky is going to be willing to take. And I don't think Zelensky would give him a good offer anyways. So after that, I think the Ukrainians are going to go, they're going to push North and they're going to start cutting everybody off, um, up towards the, uh, power plant. And they're just going to continue to push North along that, um, before they actually start making some big, um, gains out in the East. I say that because, you know, they've been in the East for so long and those trenches and everything are going to be well dug. It's going to be a very, hard fought terrain they're going to need as many of their forces up into the front that they can along with good routes to get in and out of there so i think logistically um they're going to have to take back a lot of that um, before they start clearing in the opposite direction so hopefully we'll see Zelensky push down um and the ukrainians push down um cut off crimea and russia does do what Zelensky hopes for i don't think that's gonna be true um and from there they're gonna have to start pushing north i think that's that's gonna be um what they gotta do in order to make this war happen all right and then out of all the other places in the world for something to go down to the alphabet community uganda was honestly one of the last places that i thought of of something bad that would actually happen to them this out of kampala uganda um they passed the 2023 anti-homosexuality act um anti-homosexuality right so it is now basically aggravated homosexuality um if you have 
some intercourse with somebody of the same sex over there, and it's treated the same as um, having sex with a minor and having sex while HIV positive or incest. It also says that anybody in Uganda that um, knows of somebody else that's uh, homosexual, they need to report them to police, and now there is just this big freaking uprising about um, human rights violations that are about to be taking place inside of the country of Uganda. So I was over in Uganda in, I don't know, the early 2000s, if you will, and that culture inside that country is absolutely insane, the culture inside the country. I've seen some of their troops. I, have I talked about it on here before? But, like, dude, their, their NCOs carry around sticks, like big hard sticks that they use to like beat their troops with. Um, if they failed our training, they threw them in the jail. Um, and, uh, I don't think life was very good for them. There was people that were punished. Like out of the sun, there's always like Uganda is a very, very rough country and they deal with like a lot of crap. I've seen them do some wild stuff. A lot of their soldiers don't even wear boots. I, why am I mentioning all this stuff? Because it, I, don't remember ever once having a conversation about this with any of their troops. Like none of them joked about it. Like Iraqis joked about it. Afghanis like talked about it and joked about it, but like never once did I ever hear it coming from any of the Ugandans mouths whatsoever. And those dudes were, were actually pretty well disciplined for like what they, what they are. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty wild to me. Um, and you know, a lot of people don't know this either, but the Ugandans were used, uh, for the fight against uh, Al-Shabaab in Somalia. Uh, the Ugandans were going in and, and whooping ass on them for a while, and they've been an ally of the West for quite some time. I got a feeling, though, if they keep up policies like this, it's going to end up getting a lot of their their sources cut. Um, so they've got a lot of issues when it comes to the Congo. Um, they got a lot of issues with human trafficking going on over there, and they do need all the help that they can get. So... Um, I know what Rob would say if he was here about this, Rob would, uh, I, I, well, you know, maybe I don't, um, I know Rob's not exactly on part of it, but I don't, I don't see him supporting like this. Uh, it's just insane. So I think the West is going to end up cutting off some of the ties, which sucks because we actually need a lot of help over there in that region as far as terrorist organizations and things like that go. Um, there's a lot of it going on, believe it or not, uh, up and coming, um, Uganda and Kenya, uh, Lots, lots of places and things like that over there. So I do think our policy is important in those countries, and I, I think we should stay after it. But I don't, I don't see this going very good for us at all. So before, I, uh, that reminds me. So before I let you guys go, I'm going to tell you like a funny story about some crap that that freaking took place like while I was over there training these guys, and uh, the memories that come out of that country are just insane. Um, so one day. One day we're standing around like not doing anything. And the captain that I was with um, at the time, like the, the captain in the United States, right? Like the, uh, the Ugandan captain had walked over and he's like kind of BSing with us and talking with us for a second. And he looked at like my captain and he's like, Hey, you want to, you want a present? And the captain like, sure, man, I'll take a present. So the Ugandan yells at one of the soldiers to come running over and like the soldier like runs up and he like starts yelling at the freaking soldier in Swahili. And then the soldier takes off and there's these huge, probably like 10 or 15 foot high termite mounds over there. Like they get massive and they're hard as a rock. 
I mean, like hard as a rock. And this dude just dives right into the termite mound and starts ripping it apart with his freaking hands and just going to town on it. We're just watching him do this. And we're like, well, that's that was kind of awkward. And we go about our day and we don't do anything. That happened in the morning time. Probably around the evening time, this freaking like soldier comes walking back over to our like little fenced in compound where we were living at. And he comes walking and looking for the captain. And his hands are just like bloody stumps, like down to like nubs because he had been ripping apart at that termite mound all freaking day long. And eventually he ends up pulling out like the queen termite. And that's what he ended up bringing to my captain. And he like went and he handed it to him. And I don't think the captain understood who the guy was or what the hell was going on at the time. And so like he hands this termite to the captain. The captain's like, eh, throws it on the ground and steps on it. Absolutely. You just watch the heartache go just run right out of this guy's like just you just watch his whole body just get taken over of oh my god how dare he step on my termite and what it is is the ugandans like every year the termites are they're they're like a uh what do you call it like a delicacy and so there's a certain time of year that their wings fall off of them they go over and they collect all the termites and they have like a big termite feast and the queen termites like the prize one out of the freaking nest and that's what he had given to him like the prize that these guys wait all year for, for like a delicacy for the wings fall off. He ends up stepping on him. So I have also seen these dudes, uh, geez. I've also seen these dudes like just do harsh treatment towards their soldiers and stuff. I saw a video the other day of like these Ugandans that, uh, had tried one of their dudes for murder, like one of their soldiers, um, for, I think they were up in the North, like towards the Congo or something. And the guy had, um, busted into somebody's, house and murdered him you got a soldier and they just put him on trial right there and marched him off and and killed him um so the ugandans don't play around one tiny bit so i think if basically what i'm trying to say is if they end up finding people either in the ranks of the military i see them getting executed like same day no questions asked if it's um they find these other people like them getting put on trial that stuff's gonna start making world news um when they start putting these, um, when they start putting these LGBTQ plus people um, through the ringer over there, I think we're gonna start seeing the news, and uh, they're gonna lose a lot of support from the international community. That's that's about all I can say about that. Well, I appreciate every single one of you guys stopping in um, over here on Speak the Truth. I am Matt Tardio. We are looking forward to this Friday when we have my man Ryan Hendrickson from Tip the Spear coming onto the show. Uh, this Wednesday, I'm gonna be going over how I think. Zelensky is going to have to go about, and the Ukrainian forces are going to have to go about um, actually recapturing that country, kind of what that offensive is going to look like, and where they're going to have to start moving some of their troops and, and moving some of their forces. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you very much for stopping in. Until the next time, I love you. Have a good one.